Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Don't you agree, Talaga? Let's give praise to the Lord right where we are. Just speak his name. Say, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Welcome, Jesus. Wasn't it a blessing to be able to sing from your heart today together with all, with all the brothers and sisters that, uh, that God calls me friend. God calls me friend. You know, that, that acknowledgement that I am a friend of God, that makes it so much more possible, feasible, and joyful to prepare to meet your God. Because, you know, when people are not eager to meet God is not just when they are eager to do other things, not just when they are distracted or pursuing a distorted notion of what the values of life are, although those things are very real issues to be dealt with. And in fact, our message today, a message that is really a sermon of Joshua, the leader of old, but is also applicable to today, to you, to me, to anyone who would willingly say, I'm part of the Joshua generation, which really means I'm part of that generation that says, I am a friend of God because he calls me friend. We love him because he first loved us. Well, there are distractions and deceptions that would lead us to look elsewhere than God for our source and our resource. But a big part of the problem is also that somewhere deep within, regardless of whatever distraction, division, distortion is around us, whatever the devil of the details of the world around us may be, it is the devilish qualities of our own heart that make us honestly most afraid to face the Lord. The Lord wants to come face to face with you and me today. Are you ready to face the Lord? Isn't that, at least in part, what the Spirit of the Lord was speaking to the heart of our beloved brother, Pastor Henji? A message not just for him, but for all of us, the Lord's saying, are you ready for my coming? And not just a coming in the clouds that fulfills the scriptural words of prophecy and legacy. We know that's coming. But the Lord also saying, are you ready to hear from me today? Are you ready to open up to my light to shine into every place in your heart, in your life? Are you ready to receive the seed of my word, the Holy Scripture of God, which is a fruitful seed? It doesn't come back to him void. It accomplishes what he intended. It's, it's sharp like a sword, like a surgeon's scalpel. And the surgeon is saying, are you ready for the procedure, the operation that will save your life, that will heal your soul mend your body that will cut the constraints that have bound you the snares that have entrapped you are you ready to be free because here's the sword of the Lord to cut us free and to cut down the enemy that stands against us not any human being because as followers of Jesus Christ we aren't called to fight against flesh and blood but against principalities, spiritual powers, invisible in this world, but powerful 
in this world. And yet, this word from our God is stronger for the pulling down of strongholds that oppose him, the tearing down of walls that would try to hold back his will of blessing and benefit in your life, in our world. Are you ready for the Lord to come and break those things down? Are you ready to receive the seed of God's word, which is also the seed of his spirit, so that Jesus Christ, who is alive, can live in you and me? Could we be like Mary, who so familiarly in the story of Christmas says, let it be done to me, Lord, as you've said, even though I don't fully understand, even though it seems to me impossible, and even though it is going to change and shift my shape, my world, my reputation, and I don't know what all of that will do or what all of that will cost, but I know you. I want to be friend to you, Lord God, who has been such a friend to me. I want to be a servant to you, Lord God, who has been such a savior to me. I want to be a follower of you, almighty God, who leads me so well, so wisely, so, so faithfully. So let it be done to me because behold, here I am, I'm your servant. Are you ready to receive the seed of his spirit today and to let the water of his spirit, which flows through the washing of the word, to cleanse us, even as Pastor Henry was saying, to cleanse us of the sin that we know so easily ensnares and besets us and so deeply seems to reside within us. But the deep waters of God flow into the deep places of our lives and deeply cleanse and purify, but not just so that we would be clean, but so that we would flow with the holiness of his life. You're ready for the light of the Lord and the seed of his faith to be watered by his word to produce within you an, a wellspring of living water so that from your innermost being, all the characteristics of Christ, of his love, which is his joy and his peace and his patience, his faithfulness, his kindness, his goodness, his gentleness, his ability to control himself so that he would not yield to temptation but would instead submit to the will of the Father. Are you ready for that life to flow in you today? So that you can bear the fruit of the Spirit? And be fruitful in the things of God. Jesus said, if I abide in you and you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. But if I don't abide in you and you don't abide in me, you can't do anything. You're hopeless, helpless, and in trouble. Now, God says, I'm coming to see the harvest of this world. Jesus says, behold, I'm coming, and I'm coming to claim the harvest. And everything's going to be cut down, because that's what happens in a harvest. Go out into the fields and see the tilling machines. And everything that has grown up high and fruitful is going to be brought down, good and bad. The husk and the heart of the grain all get cut down and brought in. But some are separated unto the fulfillment of their purpose, while others are separated for the pile of the waste that gets burned. And so the Lord says, I'm coming to see what fruit you have borne. I'm going to come meet with you face to face and I'm going to see, have you borne out the fruit of the Spirit? If you have, then you will have a harvest of hope because your harvest is in me. But if you are living, bearing out the fruit of the flesh, then the harvest of the flesh is what you will reap. Because even as Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia in chapter uh, 6 of that book, so you and I can affirm, God is not mocked. Whatever you and I sow, that's the harvest that we will reap. 
And so, what can we see in our world today? Let's be honest. God says, come on, let's reason together. Let's talk. Let's look at this. There are horrendous fires burning all over our state and all over our world. There's terrible depression and anxiety amok in the land. An epidemic of people turning to other things, substances, drugs, to try and placate or somehow remedy the internal sense of angst or emptiness that does not go away. And all those things cannot fill the hole that only God can fill with the flow of his life. We see there is destruction, deception, and division in our nation and among the nations of the world. There are injustices that have taken deep root and bear out bitter fruit. And there are deceptions that would try to utilize every opportunity to divide people, to destroy truth, which cannot be destroyed, but can be blocked. We can be blinded to the truth. We can be cut off from the receptivity to hear and apply it in our lives. And those, those kinds of spirits of deception and destruction, they're at work in our land. Did you feel, for those of you, most of you probably, although not all, but most who are here in the L.A. region or Southern California felt on Friday night the earth shake. And we felt it. If we've lived here for any amount of time, we've felt it before, and others elsewhere have felt it. In fact, if you take a look at the records in recent days, there's a whole lot of shaking going on, as the song used to say. And the Lord says, from time immemorial, behold, I'll shake everything. And bring everything down so that everything can come face to face with me. Are you ready to come face to face with the God who shakes the earth and who tills the soil, who struck the light in the darkness and spoke all things into being? You know, when we begin to consider who God really is, that massive fire that came upon Mount Sinai, that massive voice that spoke and all things came into being, who's able to part the waters at a word, who humbles the mountains and elevates the deserts, who hung the stars in their place and spun all of the solar systems into being and holds them all in their proper place, choreographing their dance. That's the God we are talking about. Can anyone come face to face with that God? Can anyone stand in his presence? And that is the God who says to you, reaching out with a hand, with a hole in it. The place where he received the piercing for you and I. The destruction that we deserved, he took upon himself and he said, look here, I've written your name on my hands. I am your friend. I call you friend if you will follow me. Come face to face with God today, but recognize that he is an awesome God, holy, righteous, perfect. And he does not ever for one moment forget his commitment to righteousness. He never, ever forgets, nor does he ever fail his commitment to justice. And yet 
He is miraculously merciful. But his grace comes at a cost. You say, the Bible says it's free. It's free to you. It's free to me. But it wasn't free for him. He paid the price. Now, will you endorse that check from him? Will you sign in that contract? Come face to face with God and hear what he has to say to you and I today. Lord, it's an awesome thing to come into your presence. And yet we recognize the reality is we are always living in the light of your view. We can never escape your eyes. And Lord, we don't want to. It's true. We have hid from you in the past and maybe the recent past and maybe even up to this moment. Someone who's praying in their heart this prayer with me would say, I've been hiding until right now, but right now, Lord, we want to come out into the clear view of your light. We want to open to the deep seating of your word. We want to allow you to wash us with the water of your word and the wisdom of your ways and fill us with the flow of your spirit. And we ask these things of you, Lord, that you would produce in us the fruit of that spirit, your spirit, which would manifest the character of Christ within us, which would clothe us in the armor of Christ around us, and which would equip us with the gifts of your spirit in order to carry out the work of your will in this wicked world so that your righteousness might be made complete in us. Lord, we pray, Heavenly Father, your kingdom come and your will be done in us today. Make us ready every day to meet you, to greet you, to receive you, to live in the light of who you are so that when you come or when you call us to you, though we may not know the day or the hour, we can know the Savior and have no fear but come boldly into your presence, not on the basis of our own worth, but on the basis of the promise of your word written in the blood of your Son, our Savior. Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray today that as we open your word and receive your teaching, we would be conformed to the nature and character of Christ. Amen. We're into the final messages that Joshua, the leader of ancient Israel, successor to Moses, the mighty man of God, is going to give in his earthly life. Joshua has been with us throughout the story of Israel that we have been studying in in recent years and that any of us who are ever in the book of the, uh, the word of the Lord are going to um, recognize as an essential foundational story for every single one of us. The establishment of God's people on earth, Israel, and the establishment within that people of a witness of who God is. The promises that God makes to national Israel in the scriptures are not promises that are only relevant to national Israel because the point of a people that God has carved out for himself is that those people will be his witnesses that they will be a visible evidence of God on earth, that people will be able to look at them and say, those people who worship that God are worshiping the God. That God of Israel is the God of all the earth. That God of Israel is the God of day and night, of light and dark, of, of good and evil. He's the God of all things. 
uh, over the earth and in the earth and under the earth. He is the God who is uncreated but created all things. And he is good. He holds true to his promises. If you live according to his ways, there's blessing to be found in that. If you live in opposition to his ways, there is no way to live under anything other than a curse. Because anything that is not of God is not good. But anything that is of God is good and will be fruitful in its goodness. There's a recognition by looking at the people who belong to the Lord, not just through the virtue of their mouths or the practice of their sacrifices, but the reality of their hearts. Because it's out of the heart that the mouth speaks and life is lived and our actions flow. And so we are meant to be an evidence of the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the righteousness of God. And, and also a recognition that following God doesn't mean that everything's easy. When God says that there will be blessing and fruitfulness, he doesn't deny that there will be challenges and battles. But he says, I'm going to be with you in those battles. Or in fact, what he's really saying is, I want you to be with me. I want you to be by my side, says the Lord, and I will be faithful to be by yours. Joshua's final messages are about reminding Israel of this reality, and therefore they are messages that still speak to us today, even though we are living thousands of years later. This week and next week, we're going to come to the conclusion of our extended study in the book of Joshua. If you're a guest with us today and you haven't been part of these studies, don't worry. Today's message is relevant to you and, and discernible by you. You can comprehend it without having the benefit of the past lessons. But for those of us who are part of the body of PCFLA on a regular basis, we recognize that um, not only over this past summer, but last year as well, we have together walked through nearly every single one of the 24 chapters of the book of Joshua. So I want to take this time to remind you of some of the overarching themes because we're zeroing in on the conclusion of the book, the application of those themes, but we're going to carry it forward. You know, there is, God willing, every reason to prepare ourselves for the year after 2020. 2020 has been such a year and continues to be such a year that some people feel like, I don't know that I can go forward from this point. And some people feel like, I don't know if I'm going to get to go forward from this point. And the reality, a sober reality, that I say with sincerity and sensitivity is that not everyone who started 2020 on this earth is coming to the conclusion of 2020 on this earth. And for that matter, I don't even know whether I will because we're not there yet. And none of us knows what stands beyond this day except that the Lord is there in it. But with all of that being said, I want to remind you that the Lord calls us to prepare. Prepare to meet me, right, says the Lord. It means that we're not just living for this day, even though this day is the only day that we ever have. We're always ever only in the moment, but we are living for eternity. And so, God willing, 2021 is going to be the beginning of a new season for us at PCFLA, and it's really the beginning of a new season for the world. We're entering into a new decade, the 20s, the 2020s. And I tell you, I don't know whether Jesus might come, what time? Right now. But I also don't know whether Jesus might not come for 100 years, or 1,000, or a million. Now, my persuasion is that it's probably closer rather than farther off. And as I often say, we're closer today than we ever have been before. And we are yet still farther off in this moment than we will be even in the next moment. We are always drawn closer, 
closer not only to the time of Jesus' coming, but also to the time when we truly meet God face to face. The days of our life here will come to an end. But we prepare for eternity. And in fact, Joshua's message, as he's coming to the end of his life, is very much about that. It's one man recognizing, my life is almost over, but you, you people, are going to continue. And so I want to remind you, in the last moments that I have, in the last breath that I have, in the last days that I have, that there's a message for you. Next week, I'm going to share with you something that the Lord spoke to me during my time away this past summer when my family and I went north and I found something in an unexpected place. Turn to the person next to you if there happens to be one there or you can just say it out to the Spirit or if you've got your dog or your cat there, you can say it to them. But turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm looking forward to hearing what Pastor Courtney saw. If you didn't say that, then hopefully you can pray over it and the Lord will put that anticipation in you because I saw something during that trip that was a reminder to me about a certain reality which has to do with making the most of the time that you have here on earth. And I think you'll enjoy hearing about it. But I'm going to save that for our concluding message next week. But the reason I bring it up right now is not only to build a sense of anticipation with you about that, but also to reckon one of the things that is related to it, which is this reality. All of us are called to have this perspective of eternity and yet also of urgency. We know that our lives are secure in Christ if we are following him. If you're a friend, guest with us today, and you haven't made that commitment to give your life to Jesus Christ, let me tell you, this is one of the primary promises that makes it worth it. You might want to look up Pascal's wager and see what that has to say to you. But without getting into that philosophical topic, let me simply say, when you put your life into the hands of Jesus Christ, you're already anchored in eternity. It means that no matter what happens, on any day in this world, no matter what shakes, no matter what burns, no matter what breaks, no matter what comes down, no matter what wrong is done to you, no matter what wrong you have done, there is an atoning sacrifice for your sin and there is an assuring, solid foundation for your soul in eternity. So that we don't have to be afraid of tomorrow because we know in whose hands tomorrow is held. But that doesn't mean that we just go lie down on our couch and say, well, I've got it made in the shade. Now I'm just going to wait here until pie on the sky finally arrives with this guy. No, we're on a mission. The meaning of the Lord is what gives focus to our purpose. Here at PCF over the last five years of the time that the Lord has called me to shepherd here as the chief shepherd under Jesus of this congregation. We've had yearly themes that came from a time of my encounter with God, a face-to-face meeting with God, if you will. I don't mean to say that I literally physically saw uh, God in front of me, but I will say that I had a time of encounter with the Lord exactly five years ago uh, this month, that, that, which is when, in fact, what is today? Today is the uh, 20th. I should know because my daughter's birthday is coming up soon. Um, I think it's, it, 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 it's possible, it is exactly five years ago this week, let me put that, exactly five years ago this week, that I heard from the Lord that there was a new season coming in my life, and then I heard from our beloved Pastor Joe the invitation to come and pastor this church. 
And in that season, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to focus on five years of meaning. The, the, the essential meaning of what it is to know the Lord and to pattern our lives according to his will. And we have, over those years, taken time to study the scriptures from the beginning, starting in Genesis and moving our way through, starting in the advent of Jesus' life and moving our way through, looking at the letters of the church and looking at the book of Revelation. And we have focused on these primary and essential, these foundational, fundamental actions of God that give meaning to our life, the light of the Lord, the seed of his word and his spirit, the flow of his cleansing life over us and in us, the fruitful grow that comes through us when we are abiding in him and him in us, and ultimately the missional aspect of our life, which is not only that we are growing and knowing more of God, but that we are going and sowing more of his message in the world for a harvest. So light, seed faith, water, fruitfulness, and harvest have been the focus of our last five years, but we are entering into a new season where we move with the elements of that, of that focus, that meaning. We never leave it behind. It's always beating within our heart. It's always on our lips. This book of the law will not depart from our mouths, but will meditate on its meaning day and night that we may observe to live our lives according to its light, according to the meaning that we see here, according to the ways of the Lord that are visible to us here, but with a purpose. We're moving into a season in which purpose is going to be a primary focus for our lives and our ministry because I want to let you know that you as a follower of Jesus Christ have a purpose. And again, to speak to any who might say, oh, I'm not yet a follower or I'm not sure or I once was, but I've been in turnaround, I've been divided from him. Let me just tell you this. Not only is there the assurance in Christ of eternal security, there is also the promise of Christ for present purposefulness. Let me say that again. Coming to Jesus and giving your life to him doesn't just mean you have a a heavenly reward secured for you. It means that. But it also means right now you have a passionate purpose for which you were made, in which you will delight, and without which you will always be dissatisfied. You will always be going against the grain, struggling against the current. The way that Jesus spoke it to Saul the apostle, also more well-known as Paul, but the two names are the same. But he was a man who thought he was following God, who thought he was working righteousness in the world, and he was actually 180 degrees opposite from what God wanted. And when he had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus, the resurrected Christ, on the road to Damascus in the book of Acts, the Lord said to him, Saul, it's tough, it's difficult when you struggle against the goads. In other words, you're like a beast of burden. You're like a horse that is straining against the bit and the spurs. And therefore, I'm having to bring some, some discipline upon you, right? The Lord says, I'm going to whip you into shape, so to speak. I'm going I'm to kick you back on course. Friends, could it be that the fires around us and the disruption and the discouragement and the confusion and the division and the unrighteousness and injustice 
that we are so concerned about around us, and rightfully so and understandably so, nevertheless is being used by God. I'm not saying it's necessarily sent by God, but being used by God to get us back to looking face to face at him. So will we keep resisting that? That's what the prophet Amos, which, by the way, was the subject of our fall series last year, and Pastor Henji, by the Spirit, has brought us full circle back to that. That's part of what the prophet Amos was saying earlier today. I'm trying to get your attention, and I'm having to bring more and more trauma to discipline you, to recognize that you're off the path, you're off the way, you're going in the wrong direction. But so many of you, says the Lord, just want to ignore that, resist it, deny it. Or even if you're complaining about it, you're failing to recognize the root within yourself. So all of us need me, you, to recognize. I cannot be who I was made to be if I will not come to the God who made me and trust myself to him. That's our purpose. But in that purpose and the meaning that we find in him, we find a passion for a purpose that goes beyond ourselves so that our primary focus is not what can I get and what do I need, but what can I do and what can I give? Do you remember the famous adage of uh, President John F. Kennedy in his inaugural address, I believe it was, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And that mainly is the people around you, your neighbors, your colleagues, your co-workers, your leaders. You know, you may think we've got rotten leaders, and I can say that without fear of partisanship because there's people that hate the Democratic leaders and there's people that hate the Republican leaders and there's people that hate everything in between. And, and maybe there's good reason for that. But how powerful might it be if you prayed for the leaders that you hate? as well as the leaders that you love. And I mean that both ways, because you need to pray for all of them. None of them are perfect. All of them are sinners, just like you. All of them need Jesus. Some of them know him, some of them don't. Some of them say they know him, but don't, don't reflect it. Some of them don't mention him, but their lives are more observant of it. Some of them don't say they know him and obviously don't. Some of them say they love him and obviously do. The point is not to judge everybody else, but to look at ourselves and see what it is that God's calling us to deal with, the log in our own eyes, but also to hear his purpose in us is to pray for one another. And as the people of Christ, we especially should be praying, praying for social situations, praying, Lord, we ask right now that you would forgive our land of sin and bring healing to the land. Protect those who are risking their lives to fight fires and put those fires out. Give comfort and encouragement to those who have lost so much and even the greatest cost, having lost lives of loved ones, either through the fire or through fighting the fire, and bring them encouragement and comfort today. For those who are homeless today, Lord, or who have lost so much in terms of possession, we pray for your provision and that you would make us people who provide in your name. We pray for those who are injured, that they would be healed. We pray for those who are sick with COVID-19 and any other illness and disease. And we ask that you would heal them, Lord, and deliver us out of this, this, this terrible affliction. We pray that you would heal our land of the economic 
uh, depression that has come upon us because of these circumstances. We pray, Lord, that there would be peace between peace officers and people of the community, and that there would be good reason for that peace because there would be good justice in place. We pray that you would root out injustice, but that you would also, Lord, not give place to wickedness in our land. We know that you won't. We pray that you won't allow us to. And so we pray, Lord, that there would be harmony, community, dialogue, healing. We pray, Lord, for your will to be done in the election of this land. And we pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts as to how we are to vote in good conscience before you, according to what we know from your word, according to what we know in the Lord, with grace and with integrity of heart from you, Lord, that we would cast our ballots in that direction. And we trust, Lord, that no matter what the voting uh, is, that you would govern over it and that you would bring about, Lord, a good uh, result and also that you would bring provision and peace and health to our land. We pray, Lord, that you would bring restoration in places of society that have been broken down or torn down or held back. We pray, Lord, that you would bring justice to places where injustice has been hidden or has been carried on in ways that, um, that, that have not been honest or integrous. We pray, Lord, that there would be in the church a dedication to your word that is more devoted to you than to what people think about you and more devoted in ourselves to you than to what people think about us that we wouldn't be concerned with pleasing people, but rather that we would be concerned with serving people according to what pleases you. These things we pray, Lord. We pray that you would protect us from earthquake and from flood. We pray that you would forgive us from sin and deliver us from pandemic. We pray, Lord, that most of all, you would bring us into right relationship with you. Well, the message is going in a little different direction than I probably anticipated, but I trust that the Lord is working on me and in you. So I do want to at least get to the scripture that we're talking about today, but everything that I've just said and I've just prayed and that you've prayed with me is about uh, recognizing the reality of the testimony of what God has done. In other words, we know that we can trust God to be true to these things, and we know that these things reflect his heart because God has shown us. So we've been through the book of Joshua together. And next year, I am believing by faith that we will work our way through a sermon series on the book of Judges, which follows Joshua. Why do I mention that now? Just because I'm campaigning for your interest in a future sermon series? Please, that's not what it's about. Although I like to try and give you a telegraphed notion of what's coming. But primarily because this segment that we're going to look at in the next two weeks Joshua's final address is a kind of a hinge. You know, I like to talk that way about the scripture, and it's in part because all of the scripture is connected. In our PSOM class on the fundamentals of faith today, uh, we are going to be talking about the connections, once again, of scripture, how there's a continuity to it. And very often what we find is that where one book ends, the next book will pick up in its place, especially in the first covenant, the Old Testament, uh, because of the way the books are sequentially uh, arranged in large part. Um, by the way, there's going to be more found, uh, found, uh, fundamentals of faith classes in PSOM starting in October. Uh, I think it's uh, the middle of October we're going to be starting new classes, so keep your ears open for that. But Joshua's concluding messages in chapters 23 and 24 are going to provide a kind of a, a criteria 
for how the word of the Lord looks at the generations that follow. So let me, let me just say this to, to try and kind of bring that down to earth in a digestible way. What am I saying? The point is, each one of us is a witness to the world of who God is. We're either a good witness to that because we're living our lives face to face with him and we're living our lives submitted to him, bowing before his throne, submitting our lives to him and our lives bear the fruit of who he is and reflect him. We're not perfect, but even when we fail, that reflects him too. Like Moses failed, like Joshua at times failed, like, like David failed. And yet the Lord can still be seen in their failures because even in their failures, they turn to God. And if they turned away, they turned back. Oh, let me say that again. Because that's for someone out there. If they turned away, they turned back. He wants you back. Yeah, he knows you're afraid of him. He knows you think that he's mad at you. And he knows what you might not even be willing to admit to yourself, that you're mad at him because he's mad at you because you're afraid. But he's not. He's angry about sin. And he wants to separate you from your sin so that you can experience his love. His love for you has never stopped, but your sin is blocking your experience of his love. Come back to him. Come back to him. The only thing you have to fear from him is if you turn away. It's when you turn back that you see that that face of God is smiling on you. He wouldn't have died for you if he didn't love you more than you could ever imagine. So the lives of these leaders show us that reality, that God draws his people back, and our lives become a witness to that same truth. So Joshua is giving his farewell sermons, and those sermons are going to really speak to what the generations that follow face. So just bear that in mind as we come to uh, that session of, uh, or that series of sermons next year. The first half of Joshua was very eventful, focused on those exciting episodes, but I hope that you have seen with me in the weeks in which we've been studying the last half of, of Joshua that the tribal divisions and the geographical alignments have real spiritual implications and applications in our lives. Now, in this particular book, there is a kind of an overarching chronological structure. And you may remember when I brought a message at the beginning of this summer's series on Joshua 2 and a new beginning that we talked about this reality. Uh, that we, I gave a message called Taking Time. And we talked about how time forms a structure in the book of Joshua. After the death of Moses is where it begins. In the middle of the book, a new segment begins. The close of the first half of the book has, has been reached, and then we're told Joshua has grown old. But interestingly enough, here at the very last kind of um, a, amendment, this, this last segment of two chapters, the chapters were made later, but the, the material itself still has this structural distinction. We get this same phrase. In fact, that's one of the structures that signals to us, oh, there's something happening here that is part of this primary progression in the book of Joshua, which is that Joshua is old, but you can understand that this is even older than old. So at, at Joshua 13, Joshua is, is maybe 80 years old, and by chapter 23, he's older than that. We know that Caleb already reached 85. We saw that in one of the preceding chapters, and Caleb and Joshua were, were contemporaries. So, 
sometimes even perhaps beyond that. So in other words, we are now at the place where Joshua's life is coming to an end. If you, I mentioned before, if you haven't been with us on all these messages, you can still go on our YouTube page and find them. Or you can find uh, also the uh, outlines of all of our previous messages at mypcf.org. You may be interested to take a look at the Joshua 13 chapter on taking time because it's a good uh, application of what we're talking about today, which is recognizing that our lives belong to God and we have a limited time. So there should be an excitement and an urgency about using the time that we have to witness for the Lord. But I won't belabor that point. Let's go back to what we're looking at today. Joshua 23, the final uh, messages from Joshua. Now, chapter 23 is actually a separate message from what we will look at next week, chapter 24. So in chapter 23, Joshua is speaking just to the leaders. He has a preliminary message to the people who will lead the people. And so I want to say, if you're listening to this message today, I invite you to acknowledge that if you are following Jesus then you are a leader for Jesus in some arena of your life. Whether it's how you lead your children, maybe you have an unbelieving spouse and you're a witness to them. Maybe you have a believing spouse, but nevertheless you recognize, in fact especially then, both of you recognize that you are called to be to one another servants of the Lord, to provide to one another the, the confirmation of what God is speaking into your life. And, uh, and to be guidance and counsel to one another. You may be a leader in your workplace, even if you're not a supervisor, because maybe there are colleagues that you work amongst, and you can model for them what a person who follows Jesus looks like in a regular workplace without ever even necessarily saying Jesus' name altogether that much. I don't mean hide it or be ashamed of it, but I mean that you arriving on time, you completing your projects diligently, you having a good attitude when everybody else is feeling the brunt of the boss's anger, you being satisfied uh, in the circumstances, you finding the silver lining of every situation, you showing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in your workplace is a way to lead others to the Lord. Because when they say to you, wow, I, I really appreciate how patient you are when he talks to you like that. Or, you know what, she drives me crazy. She's never on time with that stuff. And yet you're so kind to her. Or maybe it's even how you are a leader. You do have a managerial position, but you lead with grace and yet integrity. You hold people accountable for what they're supposed to do, but you do it with humility. And you're honest in your dealings. You see how all of this aggregates to a testimony of Christ? And people can say, what's that about? Or you're so great. And what you can say is, no, no, that's Jesus in me. It's because I, I love him and he's doing that in me. Believe me, I'm a work in progress. You can share with them, you know what? I get really frustrated too. I'm impatient too. But here's what the Lord does within me. And suddenly a witness is occurring. So you're a leader. And this message is for you. But there is a message to the body of Christ at large that you can see in the body of Israel at large in Joshua chapter 24 that we're going to look at next week, where, where Joshua says, today is a day to make a choice. Now that's for next week, but you can already hear there's a timeliness of it. By the way, as we talk about Joshua's address to the leaders, and I am coming to the conclusion, we are talking essentially about this reality. Hold on to God. Hold fast to the Lord. 
you may be aware that on the Jewish uh, calendar of, of high holy days, we are in what's called the days of awe or the days of repentance, uh, days of power. The 10 days between the beginning of the new year, which on the Jewish calendar, according to the scriptures, begins in the fall. And so uh, Rosh Hashanah, which is the Feast of Trumpets, uh, the trumpet sounded to call all people together in the same way that Joshua was calling all the people together to hear from him. He was calling and saying, come meet with me. I want you to meet face to face with God. That's what Rosh Hashanah is about. It's saying it's a new year. It's a new time. Come meet your Lord. Be reminded of his word, of his ways, of what he's done. So there's, there is a call for the convocation and celebration. But then 10 days later, because it gives you time to consider, to repent, to pray, there's the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. So between those two days is a holy time. And it's a time for deep contemplation of the reality of our sins individually and the impact in our world collectively. And it is a time not to run away from God, but to draw close into him and to seek him for the application of the atonement which he has already made. Hold on to God in these days, no matter what else is going on, hold fast to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to take the time to read the entire chapter with you, but you can do that, and I, I ask you to do that. Read Joshua chapter 23 this week. By the way, these slides are available later today on our website, and you can also download it and read it there. But you'll see what I've described, that Joshua has called all of the people together from all of the land. So once again, they're meeting in a central place. Next week, we will see that his address to the entire nation occurs in Shechem. It is likely that uh, he's in that basic central region as well for the address made to leaders in Joshua 23. But the point is that it's a message for the whole land. So by extension, this is a message for the whole world these days. And the message is exactly the message that came in the beginning. If you look at Joshua chapter 23, verse 6, at the end of the Joshua generation, you get the same message that was given to Joshua at the beginning of the Joshua generation. Is that me? Oh, okay. I don't know if you heard that on your end. We had some, it sounded like thunder. For a moment, I thought that prepare to meet the Lord face to face was about to happen. We had some feedback. I don't know if you heard it, but... so. So what was spoken to Joshua, get this now, get this, what was spoken to Joshua earlier in his life became a message to the nation and he's reminding the nation of that message again. And the message is, be careful to obey what is written in the book of the law of Moses. Now what they had at that time was the first five books of the Bible. They had the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We have the benefit of even more of God's words. But the basic idea is the same. The word of what God has said, the record of what God has done, the reality of who God is, because that's his name. I am. I'm active right now. You've got to live your life in the light of that. And you and I need to be face to face with him. So this word can't leave our heart. You remember the passage of scripture that says, your word I've hidden in my heart so that I won't sin? That's the admonition of Joshua 1, 7 and 8. That's the admonition of Joshua 23, 6. Hold fast to the Lord your God. He acknowledges you have been doing that, and I want to do that too. Many of you, probably most of you, who are streaming with us or watching this recording, you've been holding on 
and it's been hard. You've been holding fast and you feel like maybe you're losing your grip. And the Lord wants to say to you, don't give up and don't let, let go. What you're doing is good. Keep on holding on. Keep on pressing in. Don't give up. Don't give up because you will reap a reward in due season. Galatians 6 again. Be very careful to love the Lord your God. Let worship overflow in your life. Let prayer be your daily occupation. Let the seed of this word get sown in your heart every day. Are you reading in your Bible every day? If you're not, it's no wonder if you're facing discouragement, if you're feeling troubled, if you're reading Facebook and Instagram, if you're watching TikTok every day, but you're not in the word every day, then the spirit of the world is being sown in you. I'm, hey, we've got a Facebook page. I'm not against any of that stuff. What I'm saying is if that's all that's getting put into you, that's all that's going to be there to come out. You've got to have the word of God. And it can't compete with every other thing because those things become idols. As long as they are not over God, they're not going to be an idol in your life. But you've got to have God above it all. And his word is a way to meet him face to face every day. His word is a way to meet him every day. Will you say that? His word is a way to meet him every day. Come face to face with him in his word. Hear from him and you will feel a love for him that comes from his love for you. We love him because he first loved us. Joshua says in the conclusion of his message to the leaders, what he also said, or what we were reminded of a couple of chapters ago, a couple of weeks ago, none of God's promises have failed. Not one of God's promises to the Joshua generation failed. They failed. There were times they failed. His grace was sufficient for them, but his word never failed. Everything that he promised, he fulfilled, which means when he says, I'm coming for you, he will fulfill that, which means when he says, I'm coming to judge the world, he will fulfill that. So when he says, come meet with me face to face, though your sins are as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. It's a promise you can trust. But if you ignore these things, says Joshua to the leaders, says Jesus to us, if you're not abiding in me and I'm not abiding in you, you can't bear any good fruit. And what the scripture testifies elsewhere is you will bear bad fruit. You will bear the burden of the cost of sin and you will see curse multiplied in your life. Here's the conclusion. Three times in this passage, we are called to obey. Hold fast to the Lord. That's how you obey. By knowing what he has said. By learning his word. By rehearsing his word. Confessing his word. And obeying his word. That's what real love is. Jesus said, if you really love me, you'll do what I ask you to do. And you will avoid giving yourself over to other things that master you and, and lead you into darkness. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. If you don't love other people, you're not loving God. 
If you find it hard to love other people, let me raise my hand and say, I find it even harder than you do. I can say that confidently because I find it out really hard and I'm probably the worst of sinners. So it's hard for me to love other people. It's hard for me to love myself, but I can give myself to God and his love in me and for them will lead me in loving others in his name. And it will lead me into the place of life. Trust. Hold fast to his word. Love and obey. Trust and hold on. You can trust him. Let me be a witness to you today. He hasn't failed me once. Not once. I failed him over and over again. I've doubted him over and over again. I've betrayed him over and over again. But he has never failed me. And he's never, ever rejected me. Because he loves me. Because he loves you. Because he loves us. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Will you let him be your friend today? Will you be a friend to him? Will you give your life to him? Lord, forgive us of our sins, our wayward ways, our willfulness, our appetites and lusts, our lies, deceptions, our greed, our fear, our irritability, our arrogance, our pride, our doubt. prejudice, our foolishness. Lord, we love you and we want to love you more. We, we know you, but we want to know you more. We belong to you, but we want to reflect you more. And we believe that this is your desire. So when we ask something according to your will, in the name of Jesus Christ, you do it right now. The Lord is implanting in your heart a love for him that goes deeper than ever before. Right now, the Lord is reminding you in your mind of any influence of his word in your life, any memory of his scripture. Maybe it's just as simple as, for God so loved the world, but that word is in your mind and many, many others maybe. The stories of the scriptures of the Sunday school of your youth, if that applies. Or maybe you were never raised in an environment where you knew the Lord, but right now the Lord is implanting in you an awareness awareness of his light, of his word, of his will, of his way, of his release and relief, hope and joy, strength and truth. Maybe the Lord is bringing you into a place where you aware, become aware that there's something wrong in the way that you're living your life, in the fundamental belief that you have about yourself or the world that runs contrary to the expression of scripture and you don't know how to make it right, but you realize you can't run away from the reality that it is wrong. And the Lord is saying to you, just trust me, just trust me. Learn more about me, get connected in me and I will show you how to live, how to grow, how to change, how to be what you were made to be in me. If you receive that wherever you're at, whatever your situation, if you receive the Lord in your heart and your life and commit yourself to him, just say your amen to that, won't you? Say amen. 
And if that's the first time you've prayed that way, contact us and let us know. If you're local, we'd love to have you as part of our family or help you to find where you can connect with the local body of Christ in your area of the world where you're going to receive the word, the light, the love of the Lord, the fullness of his spirit. Now, church, be encouraged and don't give up. Hold fast to God because God is holding on to you. Amen.